Good morning, Fuel. Get on Fuel. Fuel is heading on down, following you. Is he yeah. following you? Did y'all have a good time at the pool party last night? Yes. Did any of you go to the pool party last night? Yes. All right. Don, did you go to the pool party? Did you do a cannonball? Oh, okay. Corkscrew? Did you dive? Did you jump? Did you get in the water, Don? Amen. Connect at a uh, pool party up at the Boggs establishment. Uh, you can rent out the Boggs pool for $795 an hour. Uh, <laughs> Stacy said she will provide a dozen cookies with that. Uh, so. I'm glad they had a good time last night uh, at the uh, pool party. Uh, my family, we went up to the New River Gorge and swam in the river. Uh, Cash liked it. Cash liked the water. He's eating rocks. Chloe was trying to stop him. I said, I'll put hair on his chest. It's good. <laughs> then we went up to Summersville and uh, got on the beach there and swam a little bit. Uh, had a good time. We had a Frank's Calzone. Anybody was there Wednesday night? Uh, you don't realize I crave those. And we did have a Frank's Calzone yesterday as well. But we had a good day. You, you live in a beautiful state. Um, you should get out and see this beautiful state you live in. Uh, a lot of this stuff is absolutely positively free, like our dinners on Wednesday night, which is a nacho bar uh, this Wednesday night. Um, so come out, go out and see it, man. It's really cool. We had a really good time uh, hanging out and just, just doing kinder stuff, right? Had ice cream cones and cash peed on me. It was all good. <laughs> they had a, they, we swam in the river at the base of the New River Gorge Bridge um, where the rafters come out. You can get there and it's just a pool. You can swim and hang out, throw rocks. Um, Avery actually threw a rock a little too early. Uh, I don't think he hit anybody, but he probably came really close. <laughs> We were walking down. I saw Avery just grab a rock and go, whoa. I said, no, before I could do it. He was like. Uh, yeah, Avery and Mark and uh, Logan did get to hang out with the kinders. Uh, we had a good day. Uh, but, yeah, we, we had fun. We had fun. Fun times. But they never took Cash the Swimmer off, right? And the swimmers don't hold pee in, right? And, you know, they hold the other stuff in. And when I went to get... Uh, Ice cream, I had cash, and all of a sudden, I just felt wet all over me, a warm sensation. Uh, he was happy. Uh, I did get to buy a T-shirt because of it. Um, no, it was a good time. We had a really good time. Uh, it's always fun to hang out with family, and Claire's back from the beach. The Huffmans went to the beach. Steve, you just drove like 17 hours nonstop yesterday. Bless your heart for coming to church. I'm going to shame your wife when I'm going to call your wife today. But uh, good to have you. She's in nursery. I'm sorry, Teresa. You're watching on YouTubes. Sorry. Uh, we do stream our services. For those of you who know, maybe you don't want to volunteer in the nursery because you think you're going to miss the service. You, actually, it's on the screen. We, we actually have it on YouTubes. It's over there right now, and they're watching us. They watch the whole service. So you can still be serving people and serving children and helping kids and watch the service at the same time. How, how cool is that? So, well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, uh, verses 28 through 35. 28 through 35 says this. And one of the scribes came and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, this is uh, someone talking to Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I was going to stop here, but this really jumped out to me this week. And the scribe said to him, you are right. The scribe looked at him and said, you're right. He told Jesus that, you're right. It really jumped out to me because it was always controversy. It was always battling. And this guy looked at him and says, you're absolutely right. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than a whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Man, that's good. And when Jesus saw that, he answered, Jesus then answered him. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Wow. Think about that. All we hear about is Sadducees and Pharisees conflicting and battling Jesus. Isn't that all we've heard? We get to that, we read that and we just stop. Man, I, I kept reading, I thought, whoa. And Jesus said, man, you're close. You're, you're really close to the kingdom of God. He didn't say he wasn't in the kingdom. He's like, you're, you're there, man, you're there. It's awesome stuff. And after that, this is good, no one dared to ask him any more questions. After that moment in time, no one challenged Jesus scripturally ever again. What's that in the Gospel of Mark? Because the scribe confirmed, and what he was confirming is found in Deuteronomy chapter 11, right? That's when Moses was talking about the children of Israel. He was talking about blessings and, and, and the peace of God. And it, I mean, it's almost like Jesus said in, in Mark, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And that's why the scribe was saying, you're right. It actually says in Deuteronomy chapter 11 that you'll love the Lord your God with all your strength and with all your mind and with all your heart. It, it, it says that. Moses said that to the nation of Israel. And the scribe was looking at Jesus and says, you're right. But then he followed it up. If you do those two things, this is the scribe, not Jesus. It's more than a whole burnt offerings. If you do those things, you, you, it's better than keeping the law. That's what he said. I thought that was really powerful. As Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribe say that Christ is the son of David? That's powerful. Powerful stuff. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you uh, for the word of God. We thank you for this moment in time to come into your presence uh, to be saturated uh, with this worship we just experienced, Lord, your goodness and your mercy and your grace has followed us and carried us our entire lives. Now, Lord, use this word, challenge us, change us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. I want to continue the series, Passionate Pursuit, and today we're going to continue talking about passionate fruit, passionate fruit. But I, this really jumped out, man. I mean, Mark chapter 12, man, you're talking about passionate you shall love the Lord your God with all your strength. Man, look at that. All your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's passionate, right? That's a passionate statement. You'll love God with every fiber of your being. From the baldness of my top of my head to the soles of my feet, I'm supposed to love God with every fiber of my being. That's a passionate verse of Scripture. That's passionate. Think about it. You shall, first of all, it's a command. It's not an ask, right? It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not something to think about. It's not something to dwell on. It's not a concept. It's a command. You shall love the Lord your God. That's the first statement. You shall. That's passionate. With all your heart, all of it, 
all your heart and with all your soul, all of it, and with all your mind, all of it. And then with, he, he tops it off and with all your strength. He touches the physical, he touches the spiritual, he touches the mental, and he touches the physical. All four of those elements, we're supposed to love the Lord God with all we got. Everything you got, we're supposed to love him. That's passion. That's a passion of pursuit. And such love is, is what, that is to energize us. It's to guide us. You will never become who you truly are meant to be by guilt or duty. You'll never get there by feeling guilty. You'll never get there because you've done enough. Because you've done enough stuff. You'll never get there to do that. You only get there by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Accepting that love. It's the only way to get there. That guilt and that duty, it'll create a need. It'll create a need in your life. It will. It'll create a need in your life. But it is love that must fill us and form us. Not duty and not guilt. This calling, this passionate calling also reminds us that our love for God must be first and it must be foremost. To love him with every fiber of my being, he's got to come first. He's got to be the priority. You look up the definition of the word priority, it says the right to be first. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus has earned the right to be first in your life. He's earned that right. He's earned it. He's earned the right to be first in our life. Gosh, we got to be passionate. More deep and more defining than any other love. It's got to be passionate. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength implies, it implies being, it recognizes that we need an undivided heart. Our heart can't be divided. We can't be divided. You can't, let me say this, you can't halfway jump out of an airplane. Can you? Can you halfway jump out of an airplane? You can't do it. You can't halfway drive a car. Well, I don't know, some of you, maybe. <laughs> right? You can't halfway do things. You can't halfway move to another country. Right? Can you do that? Can you halfway move to another country? No. You can't halfway marry someone. And we can't love God as God with only half of ourselves. Takes all of us. All of us. That's passion. That's passion. God is God. I want to say that this morning. He's God. And if we love God as God, I want you to understand the words I'm putting here. God is God. And if we love God as God, then He is first, and that's it. There's nothing else. There's no other discussion. There's no other dialogue. There's no other, there's nothing else to talk about. He's first, and that's it. Because once you have him where he needs to be, he'll fix all the other stuff. He'll address everything else. He'll fix you. He'll prioritize your life where it needs it. He'll help your career. He'll help your finances. He'll help your relationships when he is where he needs to be in our lives. Right? We know where he is. He is where he needs to be right now. We're not where we need to be. Look, it's a connection problem. Let's just be honest. It's a connection problem. You go out and you got a dead battery in your car. What's the first thing you do? Check the terminals, don't you? Right? So I have a good connection. Let me tell you this. The battery's good. God's a good battery. There's plenty of energy there. There's plenty of power there. The problem is the connection. Right? Do you have a good connection? 
right? Sometimes when we get into a space, a space where we're not feel like where we're not need to be, we don't need to question God. We need to check the connection. Battery is good, folks. Right? You don't have to take yourself down to advanced auto parts. Can you just check me out? I'm telling you, there's a good source of energy. All you need, are you connected to that source of energy is the question. He's first, and that's it. To fully love God, it requires all of you, and then you fully love him, you become passionate about that relationship. There's several meanings of passionate, but again, I want to focus on these two definitions. Capable of, affected by, or expressing intense feeling enthusiastic. That's the type of relationship that we need with Jesus Christ. We need a relationship that's capable of. We need a relationship that, that is expressing intense feeling and that's enthusiastic. I don't like hanging out with non-enthusiastic people. For those of you who know me, I can be pretty enthusiastic. Some people say I can be too enthusiastic, right? Uh, some people say I can be too passionate about everything, right? And I'm not. I mean, I, I, mean, I am. It's just I want to be who I am. Wherever I am, that, that's my goal in my life. My goal is to be real, right? Now, Kelly will say, and my kids will say, you're not always real. Well, what's in sometimes come out, right? Sometimes we need to work on what's in, right? It's, it's a connection problem. We're not all perfect people. I can tell you, I'm the farthest from the perfect people in this place, right? But I do serve a loving God, a merciful God, an honorable God, who despite me says, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. There are several meanings of passion, but I want to focus on those. When, you, when you're passionate about something, it gets added to your calendar. It gets added to it. You clear things off your calendar because you're passionate. You modify what you're going to do that day because you're passionate about something. And I shared that with you a couple weeks ago. I'm passionate about West Virginia sports, Mountaineer football, right? I mean, I'm telling you, we played Penn State at 7.30 on the, that first weekend, September 2nd, whatever it is. My schedule will be totally clear. Smokers will be working all day. Hot dogs will be smoked. Bologna will be smoked. Chicken wings will be made. I'll stand up in front of the TV with my game day towel, right? Because I'm passionate about it, right? I may be the only person in the room, but you would have thought I was with 70,000 people. Why? Because I'm passionate about it. But shouldn't my, shouldn't my relationship with Jesus be just the same? Shouldn't it? It shouldn't matter if I'm in this building or if I'm sitting at the office, I should still be passionate about who Jesus is and what he's done for my life. Passionate pursuit. Passionate pursuit. Maybe you're passionate about fishing. Any passionate fishermen in here? Cossum. That explains it. <laughs> you're passionate. Never mind, I won't talk about it. I love you, Cossum. To the non-passionate, to the non-passionate, they see a stick in a boat, don't they? To a non-passionate fisherman, you just see a stick and a boat. You're like, oh, that's not exciting, right? But to the one who's passionate about fishing, it's so much more than that. It's early morning. It's long days. It's all types of elements. It's hot. It's cold. It's rainy. It's sunny. It's lures. It's lines. It's rod. It's reels. They see it as a challenge to catch the big one. To the common person, though, they don't get it. Common person that don't fish, you don't get it. But to a passionate fisherman, man, they'll tell you all about it. Right? It's this big. Right? When you're passionate about something, you have all the tools. I mean, we helped Chloe's dad move. Uh, he's moving up here. And he had a truck. Uh, he drove up from Naples, Florida. And we unloaded it. I, I, man, I'm half deaf. So I, 
I did my hearing aids connect my phone. And Lauren and I were supposed to go to the movies. It was Monday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, Tuesday. I don't know, Tuesday night because it was half price, half price. If just salesman's pitch. You want to go to the movies on Tuesdays? It's half price at both Marquee and Park Place. Fifty percent off movies. So it's what was thirteen is like seven, right? And so we were going to go Tuesday, and they called me and said, hey, we're going to help Mike take his truck back, is what I thought they said. So I'm watching. I'm just cooking for the dogs. I'm just mooning around around the house. And I mean, it's like 9 o'clock at night. I almost don't think it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I, Lauren kept calling me. I guess you're going to have to come and get me. I get there, and they're literally unloading a truck. They're not, like, returning a truck. They're unloading it. And I started unloading. We're taking up second floor and got all these flatbeds. And he had more tackle boxes than any human should have. I was like, who needs that many tackle? I had like 14 tackle boxes. I'm like, who needs that many tackle boxes? I mean, a lure and a hook, that's all you need, right, Don? No, see, he's passionate about it, right? But when you're passionate about something, you have all the stuff, right? You have all the stuff. And maybe you're passionate about golf. Anybody passionate about golf? Jimmy, all right, Matt. I like golf, I like to play. Man, when you're passionate about golf, if you're not passionate about golf, you just see a bunch of people running around chasing a little white ball trying to put it in a hole. That's, that's your definition of golf, right? Putt-putt is about as far out as you think. When you see something 600 yards, you're thinking, why would you do that, right? If you're not passionate about golf, you show up on a golf course and your clubs haven't been used in six years and you have a ball, right? If you're passionate about golf, man, you got 60 balls in your bag because you know there's water and there's trees and there's squirrels and you don't lose any of them. Or at least you don't count them, right? If you're passionate about it, you got clubs and you got shoes and you got hats and you got a right-handed glove and a left-handed glove, you got a dry towel, you got a wet towel, you got a, you got a, a 56 degree wedge, you got a pitching wedge, you got a sand wedge, you got a long putter, you got a short putter, you have all those things. You're passionate about it. But if you're not, it's just, eh. Right? Some of you turn golf on on Sundays for your nap. How many of you do that? Right? I mean, I'm honest with you. I do that for NASCAR. If I'm really tired, I just turn NASCAR on. I told you I used to turn Bob Ross on, but I, to sleep, and we'll take a little red and we'll dab it right here. Oh, a little mistake. We can fix that. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm hooked on Bob Ross. I couldn't turn him off. I didn't sleep. So I couldn't do that anymore, right? But when you're passionate about something, it, it's not normal. It's not average. You have everything. Well, shouldn't our relationship with Jesus be passionate? Shouldn't we have everything? Shouldn't we have every version of the Bible? Right? Shouldn't we have all the CDs and all the worship music downloaded? Shouldn't you have a playlist that just says worship? Right? If you're passionate about it. I mean, I got several playlists. I got a country playlist. I got an exercise playlist. It's only one song. Um, <laughs> I actually created a running playlist. I was, I was running, well... I was walking fast by some people's standards. Uh, but I had a running playlist, and it was like, you know, we'd do 5Ks. We were doing 5Ks there a long time ago. And, you know, 5K, Scott Poor takes 12 minutes. For Don, takes 48. It's okay. Um, but I had a playlist that was like two hours long for running. I was like, dude, you're never running two hours. You'll never get through all those songs, man. Start taking them out. But when you're passionate about something, you, you, it, it, it consumes your life. And I wonder about your playlist. I'm not going to judge you right now, but sometime today I want you to look at your playlist. You probably got a country playlist, exercise playlist, run playlist, 80s music playlist, hairband playlist. I oh, ain't got a Christian playlist. Man, we should have a Christian playlist. 
should have a worship list if you're passionate about it. These things, like any other thing, are made worth doing through passion. Right? Carson goes fishing and stands in a trout stream to catch a trout. Right? He'll stand there eight hours and ten hours and not, has there been days you never caught anything? What do you do? I'm going to catch him tomorrow is what he says. Right? Passion says, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Right? That's what passion says. Passion doesn't give up because he didn't have a successful day. Guess what? Our passionate relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't stop because we had a bad day. Just because we didn't get a win today, just because everything didn't go our way today, doesn't mean our passion stops. Right? You get up and do it again. Do it again. So why wouldn't we be desired to be passionate about every area of our Christian life? Why would we settle for anything else than it to consume our lives? Why would we settle for anything else than total consuming? Consumes me. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We started this series a few weeks back, and we, did, we covered the first fruit, and that was uh, flavor, and that was love, right? Remember, we discussed on that first meeting uh, that it is the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. It's a singular fruit with nine flavors. And I gave you an example of Five Alive. Anybody remember drinking Five Alive as a kid? Just me? Roy Falk. Boone County kids right there. We couldn't afford orange juice. We got Five Alive. Right? Five Alive was a drink with five flavors. It wasn't Five Alives. It was Five Alive. It had orange. It had tangerine. It had lemon. It had lime. And it had something else. I forget now. Right? It had five flavors that made up one drink. The fruit of the Spirit is a singular fruit that has nine flavors. Nine. Now, it's not to be convict, or confused with the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit that the, that the Bible tells me that the Spirit gives to us as individuals. Right? He doesn't give us fruits of the Spirit. He doesn't say, Pastor, I'm going to give you love. Carrie, you're going to get long-suffering. And Bill, you're going to get patience because you need it, right? That's not what the Spirit does. It's, it's a singular fruit. And I think that fruit should be passionate. If our pursuit is to be passionate, our fruit, our flavors must be passionate as well. So I don't want you to get confused with the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are plural. They are gifts. Not everyone gets them. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. There's nine of those too. But the Spirit gives those, and not everyone has those gifts. But the word fruit in, the, is, in Greek is karpos. It means a result of something. When you have the fruit of the Spirit, it's a result of something out of your life. When the fruit is displayed in our lives, it's a sign we're better yet a result that we're being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. These qualities make up the fruit. They're not nine different fruits. It's a nine-part flavored fruit. And I believe there's three. And when you look at them, there's nine. There's an inward, which is love, joy, and peace. That's stuff going on, on the inside. There's an outward, which is patience, kindness, and goodness. And then there's a Godward, which is faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. All right. So last week or two weeks ago, we talked about love, right? 
We made the statement that uh, when you love someone, when you want, you want the best for them, you, you want, you want uh, them to succeed, not to fail. And, and I also made a statement that you can love everybody and not like everybody. It's a true statement. Right? I don't have to like the sin that the world is in, but I love the world. It doesn't change my prayer. It doesn't change my focus, right? But I can love them and not like them, right? That was the first flavor. Today, we're going to look at four more real quick. With, so hang on with me. So here we go. Uh, in verse 23, though, it says there's no law against them. There's no law against fruit of the Spirit. None. You can overwhelm your day with the nine fruit flavors, and you'll never be judged for it. Huh? You'll never be judged for it can't give enough love, can't give enough joy, can't show enough peace, can't have enough kindness, can't have enough goodness, can't have enough self. You, you'll never be judged for it. There's no law against it. Our world is full of laws. Speed limits, traffic signs, right? Tells us we can or can't do something. Tells us how fast or slow we got to go, right? Guess what? The Spirit says, there's, the Word of God says there's nothing. There's no law against this. There's no yield signs. There's no stop signs. There's no that's enough signs. There's no detour signs. There's no speed limit signs. Guess what? There's no law. Let it roll, baby. Let it roll. You can read this and be literal. You can display the fruit without any limits or restrictions. None. We can never show too much love, too much joy, too much peace, too much patience, too much kindness, too much goodness, too much faithfulness, too much gentleness, and too much self-control. You can never show too much of that. Now, that's a goal to strive for. It's evidence of fruit is in our lives, and it shows our lives are being led by the Spirit. So we're going to look at the other four real quick. We're going to look at four more today. Uh, we're going in succession. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. The first one is joy, right? Right after love is listed joy. Just again, this is an inward. This is an inward flavor. This is happening on the inside, right? Now, we do know... Something that's going on on the inside eventually shows itself on the outside, right? Right? Something on the inside comes out on the outside. Joy. The Bible says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? We just read in Mark chapter 12 that we'll love the Lord with all the God, with all our strength. Guess what? Joy. The strength. If you ain't got no strength, Pastor Frank, you say you have a hole in your bucket. Right? You have a hole in your bucket because we, we draw into that bucket of joy and pull out. And if you're not getting it back up, it's because you have a hole in your bucket. Right. Fix your hole. Fix your bucket. Buy another bucket. But the joy of the Lord's your strength. When we are filled with joy, then even normally miserable tasks become pleasurable. They become pleasurable. I got a miserable task on my plate really soon. We got a dumpster out back we bought. We created one. We solved some problems, but we created another problem, <laughs> right? Wild animals and terror bags. Well, guess what? I'm going out there soon with a rake and a tarp and a mask. That's a miserable task, right? But there's going to be joy in my heart, right? That's the most miserable task you can imagine. I don't like going to the landfill. That's, I don't want to talk about that. Um, but the most miserable task becomes pleasurable when there's joy in your life, when there's joy in your life. Joy is a deep, enduring place within our soul that is not moved by circumstance or events. And no one can take it away from you. Nobody can take it away from you. Why? Because the joy comes from the Lord. 
doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from someone else. It doesn't come because of a result. That's happiness. Joy is so misunderstood. Our world around us, if I'm honest, is pretty much always seeking happiness. And they, can, they will use the word joy, but they're really seeking happiness. In fact, people do what they do for the purpose of finding happiness. People work hard. They buy possessions that can make them happy. They look for happiness in their entertainment, in hobbies, in sports, in passions, in various addictions. When you consider that happiness seems to be the main goal, it seems surprising that the Bible doesn't talk much about happiness. It talks a lot about joy. The Bible says a lot. The kind of joy the Bible talks about goes much deeper than mere happiness. Joy is something internal. It's down inside of you. I would actually say joy is a choice. A choice that those who are in relationship with Christ can make in any circumstance. You can choose to have joy. You may not be happy you're there, but you can have joy because you are there. You can have joy in the situation, not because of the situation. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Happiness deals with what is happening. Think about happiness happening. You get the conjunction. Happiness depends on conditions. It depends on circumstances. That night when I watch Penn State and West Virginia, I'm going to go in with the mindset that West Virginia can win. If they don't, which they're not predicted to, guess what? My happiness that night will be affected. But my joy will not be touched. Right? Pastor Frank, he, he picks up on it really quick. I need to get to a place where I can do what he does. He sees it going south in the first quarter. He just turns it off. Don't even, it don't affect his happiness, right? It just turns it off. I'm going to mow the grass, right? Take out the trash, right? you find something else to do, right? I'll stand there to the fourth quarter down 99 to nothing. Right? Just for a little ray of hope. But happiness deals with surroundings and circumstances. In fact, most people's happiness is temporary. It's temporary. It's, it's an interruption to boredom. That's what it is. We've all heard kids say, I'm bored. How many ever heard a kid say that? How many kids are saying that right now? <laughs> I'm bored. How many adults are saying that right now? I'm bored. Sorry, we'll get to it. What they're really saying is, I want some happiness. I want some happiness. And I'm not finding it. Happiness depends on an outcome. Joy is a fixed indwelling, off altering flavor of the fruit of the Spirit. When you receive Christ as king of your life, he provides joy. When you have joy, your circumstances do not rule you anymore. You may not celebrate them. You may not have parades because of what you're going through, but that they do not impact the joy that is inside. doesn't mean you're not sad. doesn't mean you don't cry. doesn't mean you're not mad, but there's still something inside of you despite all that that says, I'm going to be okay. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Mood swings become far and few between. You've got joy. This does not mean we're always in a good mood, but we can be and remain an unexplainable place of contentment. When someone has the fruit of the Spirit in your life, joy is in their lives. They do not allow misery, sorrow, or sadness to rule their thoughts or guide their actions. Number two, peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, but let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's Jesus 
He told the disciples, I'm leaving my peace with you. My peace, he said. Jesus left us his peace. Kingdom peace, not worldly peace. Kingdom peace resides in a place of confidence in God, not in me, not in the world system, not in what, again, it's going to be very familiar, not in what's going on around me, right? Peace is happening despite all of that. Did you get that? It's confidence that God is who he says he is. That's what peace is in my life. It's confidence that God's got this. It's confidence that God is in control. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it, but there's a peace that passes understanding, the Word of God tells me, in my life. My greatest place for peace is when I'm resting in who He is, not on where I am or what I'm facing. He is our peace, church. When I do not have peace, I'm not resting in His presence. I'm not resting in His presence. I realize, though, when I have peace, that I'm a king's kid. This type of peace is like joy. At times, it's unexplainable. At times, it's beyond comprehension. This is the peace that passes understanding. It passes it. And I've shared that with you story a bunch of times. It's one of the greatest illustrations I can give you about peace. But I was a a junior or a seventh or eighth grader at Sherman Junior High School. And I picked up the bus at 5.30, 5.45 a.m. in Ashford. And we drove all the way over the mountain, went up every holler, every creek, every crevice, picking up kids. End up going through racing, get to Sherman High School, Sherman Junior High, get off, have a whole day, 235, 315, whatever it was, you get on the bus. That day, my bus driver had a busload of kids. It's like a Tuesday. It's just a normal Tuesday, right? And we're driving. And of course, if you get a coal truck in front of you on, on the straight stretch in racing, you're doomed. And nothing you can do about it. Now, back in my day, there was no truck lane, there was no passing lane. On, on Lens Creek Mountain. Right now there's a passing lane. There's a short duration where the coal trucks are supposed to get over, like not a high drivers don't, but they're supposed to get over in the slow lane and so you can go by them real quick. But there was no slow lane then. It was just two-lane road. And this day, a full bus of kids, we get behind a coal truck. Who's, and again, coal trucks are doing really well until they hit that curve. When they hit that curve, they lose all their momentum, they lose all their flow, and they go to a crawl. I'm just talking, whatever. I'm doing whatever on the bus. And about that time, I hear, boom. She passed that coal truck on Lens Creek Mountain. (laughs) Fully busload of kids. (laughs) She shifted that boy boy down the second, and there we went. Kids just looked at the school bus going, or the coal truck. Yeah. Honk, honk. <laughs> that was peace, passing understanding. <laughs> right? You had to have some peace to do that. There's a busload of kids. I mean, I know the truck wasn't going fast, but it took, it took some momentum to get us above that, right? And even as everyone down Lens Creek Mountain, I mean, it's, it's straight for a while, but there's some points it ain't. There's some curves. If somebody's humming down that hill. But that bus driver passed understanding with the peace of the bus, right? But that's what the word of God is. That's, that's what, when you have peace, that's what it feels like. A slow moving coal truck and you're on a school bus and you pass it anyway, right? Because it's the peace of God. It guards my heart. It guards my life. People who are at peace do not go to war with their actions or words. The peace of God is a peace that transcends understanding. 
It can be experienced when the world says you shouldn't be peaceful. When your circumstances are hard and your situation is uncertain, we should not be shocked because Jesus left his peace. The flavor of the fruit of the Spirit is necessary for us to live a successful life, a passionate life. Everybody do this with me. Peace out. All right? Let the peace come out. Let it come out. The next one is patience. Patience, just the mention of the word, causes some of you to shudder. We associate patience with waiting, drive throughs doctor's office, red lights, DMV visits. B-17, and you look down, you're B-8975,605. <laughs> and it's 8.05 in the morning. You're the second person there, and somehow 5,000 people got ahead of you. Right? Takes patience. Actually, that takes long suffering. <laughs> We're all in a hurry, aren't we? We're all in a hurry. We cannot waste time waiting. We have things to do. So what is patience? Patience is displaying calmness during stressful situations. Calm in the middle of chaos. It's showing empathy or seeing things from their side. Toward others, this is good, when they are not doing things to the level we want them to be. Some of y'all need some patience. I need some patience. I need more patience in my life. Patience is more than just having the patience to wait. Patience is showing empathy or understanding when our standards aren't being, not God's standards, not, not the work standards, but our standards aren't being met, and we want to judge everybody based on our standard, right? We want to judge them based on that. That's patience. It's not allowing delays to negatively impact. These delays will not matter in 10 days or 10 years, will they? 10 years, 10 days from now, that delay won't even matter. I read recently the annual cost of people running red lights in the United States is $7 billion just for running red lights. That's accidents, that's tickets, that's lawyer fees, that's hospital visits because of accidents, that's, that's car damage. All because somebody was in a hurry to get things done, right? I'm in a hurry to get things done. Alabama, right? Rushing, rushing till life's no fun. Leaving the song Alabama sang. You're rushing around, all of a sudden life don't even become fun anymore. Seven billion dollars because you're in a hurry? Oh, nobody pays attention. Yeah, you do, you tell your kids. Red means stop, green means go, yellow means punch out. Right? I've heard that my whole life. Punch a son. Light turns red right in the middle of your punch. Somebody else punched green. Right? Who's at fault? You are. You're in a red light. They had access. They had to right away. That's patience. You know what? That red light, you only save 50 seconds is what they say. At the end of the day, whenever you get where you got to get to, you save 50 seconds. Good job. You didn't even save a minute. But you cost us $7 billion. All because we're not patient. Patient people do not become easily irritated, annoyed, or aggravated. See what I'm saying? We need patience in our life. Nor do they show intolerance to other people. Patient people don't do that. They don't show intolerance.
works. It'll become aggravated easily. It, I get it. It's uncomfortable to hear that. It is because none of us are there. I'm not there yet. I'm striving for it. I'm praying for that despite what I've been told my whole life. How many of you have been told don't pray for patience? Raise your hands. If you Both hands and a leg. You've been told don't you pray for patience. Right? Isn't that what we were told? Why? Why were we told that? I, I heard, I've been in church services. Don't you pray for patience. Where am I supposed to get it? So I asked myself this week, I got on walmart.com, started searching, typed in the word patience. They ain't got it. They got five alive, three-day delivery from Canada. Walmart.com does not have patience. I got on amazon.com, typed in the word patience. T-shirt come up, thick thighs, thin patience. True story. I saw about 250 books on patience, right? I saw, I saw it's some of the books I saw on Amazon. Uh, when you type in the word patient, you get these options. Patience and humility. Truth and patience. Patience. That's a really good title. Uh, how to be more patient. The patient ninja. I want to be that guy. There's a book called The Patient Ninja. Wouldn't all ninjas have to be patient? Right? Anyway. I saw the songs by Guns N' Roses. Patience. Right? Said woman, take it slow. Things will be just fine. All we need is just a little patience. Right? That's what the song says. There were t-shirts, car stickers, phone cases, and of course thick thighs, thin patient t-shirts. Uh, it was very popular on Amazon. It was. I didn't, I didn't go looking for it. It was there. Walmart don't have it. They do have, give great lessons on patience as you wait in the checkout line. That doesn't teach you patience. Nothing will. Waiting in McDonald's for ice cream or Taco Bell for a Slurpee. Only told the machine is broke. Patience. And hopefully, hopefully a little joy. Ebay doesn't sell patience. They have a t-shirt, same t-shirt, thick thighs thin patience on eBay. I've had my patience tested and I'm negative, is what one t-shirt says on eBay. <laughs> I thought it was great. I almost bought it for a few people. <laughs> I've, I've had my patience tested and I'm negative. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's great. I'm sorry, I'm in tears. Uh, some of you are like, I wish so-and-so was here. Uh, patience cannot be taught. So if I need it, where do I get it? I can't buy it. Where do I get it? So I'm here this morning to tell you, you can pray for patience. Nobody else has it. And if nobody else has it, why can't I go to the only source that does? And that's God. Why can't I go to him? As a child of God, as a redeemed blood by heir of heaven, I have one source and I pray for it. I ask and I shall receive. I seek and I shall find. I'll knock and the door shall be open. Romans 15, 5 says, Now may the God of patience, there he is, not Amazon, not Walmart, not eBay, the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded to one another through Christ Jesus. There it is in Romans. May the God of patience 
Why can't I pray to him for it? So if you've been told that, scrap it, throw it away, kick it to the curb. You can pray for patience. He is the source. He's the one that can give me patience. Patience is the flavor of the fruit of the Spirit. Think about that this morning. For someone to tell me that I shouldn't pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be more evident in my life is not a biblical statement. It's not a biblical statement. I mean, we pray for more faith, don't we? Don't we pray for more faith? I've never heard someone say, don't pray for more faith. You'll be tested, right? I've never heard that. If you're not being tested, maybe there's a greater issue. We have the right to seek and find it. It's completely biblical to ask for patience. So I can tell you 100% fact, you can and you should pray for patience to be evidence in your life. eBay, Amazon, and Walmart, they don't have it. Only God does. If I need it, then he's the only source to provide it. Then where else can I go get it? Now, in all honesty, our prayers should be the fruit be evident in our lives, not just patience. I assure you, if you're walking in love, truly walking in love, you have patience in your life. If you're walking in love, then you have joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And last but not least, kindness. Kindness. How many of you have a Be Kind t-shirt? So y'all thinking about it. I do have one, right? Really, just five people have a Be Kind t-shirt? How many of you have a Be Kind bumper sticker on your car or somewhere in your house or a sign that says, Be Kind, right? That's a buzzword. Usually it'll say B, B-E-E with a little B on it, you know, trying to make it cute. Kindness. The word kindness comes from the Greek word krastos, to make oneself useful to another, making things easier and smoother. Kindness isn't just opening a door. Kindness isn't letting somebody else go first. It's making their life go smoother. Wow. Wow. Maybe we're the bump. (laughs) Right? Maybe we're the problem. It's a spirit of care for others, a desire to make someone else's life easier and caring of their burdens. It's being genuinely kind to anyone and everyone. Kindness assumes that everyone deserves kindness no matter the differences that may exist. Be it in politics, be it in opinions, or even culture. Most people are kind when there is a need, aren't they? But the flavor of kindness is kind even when there is no need. You don't have a need. Guess what? You can still be kind. It's a fruit. It's a flavor of the Spirit. Kindness. It celebrates others. It serves others. Some of you all serve, but I ain't celebrating. You're not practicing kindness. You celebrate others. You serve others. A kind person shows compassion, not just sympathy. And what I mean by that, Jesus, when he fed the 5,000 men... um, and, you know, two small, the little boys' lunch, uh, two small fish and five loaves of bread. Uh, the Bible says Jesus, after teaching, saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He didn't feel sorry for them. Man, I hate that for them guys. That's terrible. I wish it was Wednesday. We'd give them some nacho bar. Right? But it's Monday and I can't do nothing about it. Yeah, you can. Kindness is compassion. Kindness is not just sympathy. Kindness is not feeling sorry. Kindness is doing something about it. 
compassionate. Kindness is a characteristic that led God to provide salvation for us. Titus 3, 4 and 5 says this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Ah, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration renewal of the Holy Spirit. Through his kindness we find salvation. Romans chapter 2 says this. Oh, is that Romans 2? He saved us not because of... Oh, that, that's still Titus. Do you oppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume the riches of his kindness and forbearances and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? His kindness. His kindness says, I'm going to allow you to repent. Guess what? Our kindness should be tolerable. Our kindness should not be intolerant to the world around us. God says, through my kindness, I have saved you. Through my kindness, I allow you to repent. Guess what? Kindness is a big deal. Romans eleven twenty two 22 says this. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Gosh. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. But as servants of God, we command ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions and hardships and calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. Gosh, kindness. It's more than a T-shirt. It's more than a bumper sticker. It's more than a word. It's more than a, I'm just going to treat people nice today. No, it's not about today. It's a lifestyle. Got to walk in it. Passionate pursuit requires us to be passionate, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And that command demands that the fruit of the Spirit be evident in our lives. And when I look at today's four flavors, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the Spirit quickened me this week. You want everyone to have those towards you then you should reciprocate that toward everyone in your world. I want people to bring their joy to my life. I want their peace to be in my life. I want their patience for me to be in my life. And I want their kindness to be in my life. And the Spirit quick to me and says, Don, you want that from everyone around you. You need to start reciprocating those four fruit flavors to everyone around you. It's not about receiving. It's about giving. If that's the way I want to be treated, then I need to treat everyone the same way I want to be treated. I know we all need help with that. We all do. I get it. But guess what? We can ask God for help, for assistance, because he is the source. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this time in the Word. I know it's challenging. I know it can be funny and it can be serious all at the same time. But Lord, this is critical for us as Christians as we try to impact the world around us. And the peace and the joy and love and kindness and patience, it needs to be relevant in our lives. It needs to be visible in our lives to the world around us. 
So Lord, let us learn to come to you. Let us learn to ask of you. Let us seek you when we're lacking in those areas. In Jesus' name.